Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we have a wonderful guest with us today. The myth, the man, <laughs> the legend. You've heard him mentioned many, many times. Yeah. Chris. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Awesome. I just got to hang out uh, for most of the day with a good friend of mine, yourself. Awesome. awesome. And uh, Same. Jeff, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I Did you forget I was here? Uh, who said? Oh, hey, Jeff. Sorry. I, uh, I forgot you were there. I'm, I'm doing fine. I My my folks are in town right now, so. Oh, um, gotcha. They they like to treat Skylar and I to like going out to eat and stuff all the time. So I'm, I'm eating a little little too well right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. There's no such thing as eating too well. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah, Chris, I, I we hadn't really seen each other in a couple of years. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, you were in my fifth edition game that I was running, you know, way back, mm. and uh, and then yeah, you know, that was like two apartments ago for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't even think I saw the second one they were in. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We were only at that other apartment for like six months, and then we got our house. So. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I've just been busy with work and everything, and so it's you know it's hard to make time to. Mm. See everybody, but it's it's it was good to to see you today. Yeah. I'm glad we could have you on the podcast. I know we talk about you a lot. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that most of what I know as a DM, as a as a player of this game, I learned from you. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, I did my best. I mean, you you were when I first saw you, I was like, this kid has potential because you were you were like. You were wide-eyed, you were happy, and you actually wanted to play. Mm -hmm. You just, for the life of you, couldn't figure out how. Oh, goodness, no. And I was like, all right, um, I've been playing this game for a long time, and more importantly, I've made a lot of mistakes. So here's here's <laughs> what, you need, to, here's what yeah. you need to know to avoid those mistakes. Yeah. Here's a list of most common mistakes made. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, that's kind of what I, what my approach was with this podcast, is like, I've, I've played a lot of good games, I've played a lot of bad games, and, you know, I... I can probably help tell people what not to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, there are a lot of pitfalls that you you fall into with this game mm -hmm. that you don't really notice you falling into them until like you look at somebody else playing. You're like, my God, they're brilliant. I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Could somebody please shoot me now? Yeah. And then you know, if if you're brave enough, you you walk up to that person. You're like. Um, my kung fu is no good, <laughs> master. Will you teach me? And you know it. It works well. I mean, and then you'll make I, you'll make you like sweep the sidewalk and yes. paint the garage. Play as NPCs. <laughs> What's that? You know, that's the worst part. Playing the NPCs, playing the crappy NPCs. Like play the shopkeeper. Like no, not the shopkeeper. Can I be a knight? No, you will play a shopkeeper, and you will like it until you get good at. it. <laughs> what's uh they what would be like what's like a thing you would do to like get better at rolling something like they make you go bowling <laughs> like you go bowling so that when you and then they put dice in your hand and like you roll it really well yeah <laughs> so. but you have to have a training montage right on yeah. her and the whole thing it's like what does bowling have to do with dungeons and dragons you will see and then like he mm -hmm. like rolls the dice for the first time and he understands like oh <gasps> 
I could. Oh my god! This whole time, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, roll twenties every time. <laughs> oh man, if only. Oh, that'd be an awesome. Um, like custom uh, bowling ball with like a D twenty on the inside. That like, would, would be, be awesome. It's like, the, the, it's like mostly clear except for a D twenty on the inside. Like uh, like the skull bowling yes. ball in Mystery Man, except a D twenty man. Yeah, so, that would be so some, cool. someone needs to make this. What was what was yeah. her character's name? The bowler. Just the she was just called the bowler. Just the bowler. Yep, the bowler. Oh, okay. Her dad, who was another bowler, he fell down an elevator shaft onto okay. some bullets. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh goodness. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. So, so we've got Chris here. You know, we're gonna answer some questions. Hopefully, have some good discussion and uh, and go from there. So, Chris, uh, one day you are at the local bowling alley, and you know that it's league night, and you've got your friend Jeff here, and some other unnamed NPCs are also on your league with you, and you've been doing pretty good. You're on fire, you might say, but then you look over at the next lane over. And you see it's your nemesis. And it's this guy that you grew up with. He's about 30 feet tall, red scales. He wears a leather jacket over his his scaly wings. Charlie it Myers. Is, <laughs> it is Charlie Myers, the red dragon from, from the wrong side of the tracks. The wrong <laughs> side of the fiery tracks. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And you know he's going for that trophy, too. That, that, uh, that horde of trophies. Mm. And so I want you to roll... A dexterity check. Go ahead and roll that right there. Six. Ooh, uh, that was horrible. You, you have advantage. <laughs> you have advantage because everybody's cheering for you. Nobody wants Charlie Myers to win. Yeah. And nobody ever wants that guy to win. I have a feeling this is probably worse. Uh, that is a four. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> you you didn't do so well. Jeff can roll. Save us, Jeff. Here, You're our only hope. Okay. Jeff. You have to beat Charlie Myers. It's all down to you. All the other NPCs on your team, they did a just a good enough job to get you so that it all comes down to you. Okay, all right, let's see. Go, Jeff. You have advantage as well. I don't think I'll need it. Oh. Oh! <laughs> uh, I rolled an 18 and then a 19. Okay. <laughs> so it is the final frame. You've gotten two strikes. You've got that third strike <gasps> ready to go. Turkey? <laughs> you are You're trying to get a turkey. I'm going for the turkey. Charlie Myers tries to sabotage you. Someone uh, smeared Vaseline all over your your bowling ball. Oh. But at the last minute, Chris shows up with his lucky ball. (laughs) He hands it to you. It's not the right size, but what the heck? You got luck on your side. You roll that ball. You hit the seven ten split. Somehow there's a seven ten split on the third frame in that, or the, the, the third one. That was strike. It. I mean, there would have been ten. Somehow it's, it is a seven ten split. It's, it's two sets of like I knock down one whole set of pins it and it also knocks down the pins on the other. Lane exactly, too. exactly. So somehow or another, you hit the seven ten split. Everybody cheers. They lift you up on on their shoulders, and then you have won. The trophies. The bowling trophies. The bowling trophies in this dragon's horde. <laughs> There's like, like, uh, like a free hot dog at the bar. I, that's that. That was the prize. That's the prize. Yes, you want <laughs> you want a free hot dog. And Charlie Myers, he really wanted that. He hot really dog. wanted that hot dog. He probably did. He was. <laughs> oh God. He, that's the actual name. Of the worst DM I've ever had in my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Charlie Myers, if you're out there, Chris is coming for you. So our item today was actually submitted by Chris. I'll be reading it today. The item is Sun Wukong's Sash. 
For anybody who doesn't know, Sun Wukong was a character from Japanese folklore. If you're familiar with uh, Dragon Ball, the character yeah. of Goku was, you know, kind of kind of loosely based on Sun Wukong, maybe mm-hmm. maybe not so loosely. And the Journey West is yeah, really yeah. great if you wanna, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a green silk sash sporting an embroidered scene of a forest along its bottom edge, composed composed of gold thread. This item requires attunement. The sash, when worn by an attuned being, allows them to use the sash for any action that only uses one hand at any distance up to 15 feet away, including such things as wielding a weapon or picking a lock. For purposes of this effect, the user is considered to be of their uh, to be using their own limb and occupying a space anywhere along the sash for purposes of perception. So you you can pick a lock or wield a weapon exactly as if you were wielding it. Yeah, and also it uses your own perception. So if you have a candle mm-hmm. and you're in a dark hall or whatever, and you're trying to pick that that lock that's that's um, 15 feet away. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still going to take penalties for darkness because the part of you that could actually see the lock. Sure, if you're gonna, sure. You know, judge your perception from being that close. It's that's in darkness. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's kind of an interesting interesting level of granularity for how how it functions and I, I like that because it uh it is not all hand wavy it's like you thought of it enough to know oh, yeah, you know yeah, an interesting yeah. way for it to work yeah uh but you can do really cool stuff with it like you know uh my my favorite thing i thought of when i first created it is actually using it to spy on people Ooh. like putting part of it through a door mm-hmm. if it's lit cuz most uh most humanoid creatures don't have dark vision. Right. So they'll be using some kind of light and source. So you'll probably be able to see them, hear them, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to do it without the intervention of the door. Oh, which will okay. take those penalties away. Gotcha. When I when it said for purposes of perception, I thought it meant for purposes of people seeing you, but so you can see mm-hmm. from any point. Oh, but then you were talking about the candle because the candle is back at the beginning. Yep. Gotcha. That's mm. that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, and doing stuff like uh, if you're trying to evade your adversaries and you're underwater, you can make part of the, the sash go up and look around like a periscope. That's really cool. Because uh, there's the there's the you know going with like Japanese themes and such. There's there's uh, like the idea of ninjas that would like hide underwater mm-hmm. with a little bamboo tube that they could breathe from and then yeah mm. you yeah. know I, I mean it's it's a really great magical item if i do say so myself i'm sorry <laughs> no no uh, it's, that, it's a really cool item that uh that is great for a good number of uses that aren't really covered by more mechanically robust items sure which sure. a lot of those i don't even really like Mm-hmm. The best items are the ones that make you think a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those are those are usually the most fun because those are the ones we like read about as kids and like, oh, that's kind of cool. Because like, um, like when I was a kid, everybody you know read um, the tales of King Arthur. Sure. And Excalibur Sash was my favorite, hands down. Okay. It prevented the wielder. The, the um where from bleeding that's a cool power yeah i always just imagined all the blood running into the 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 mouth of the scabbard yeah 
And when the blood was finished running, that the, whatever area that the blood was coming from was healed. Yeah. Uh, I, that was a very strange child. <laughs> it's all right. So, yeah. Um, magic items that aren't like, I am the plus 30 sword of whoop ass. It's my plus one mace. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after plus one, they're dull. Yeah. Yeah, it's just plus a, one is enough. Everything else is just gratuitous. Yeah, it's cool because plus one. It, no, now it's a magical weapon. It does mag. It like has magical properties. Yeah. Oh, but now it's more magical. It's even more magical. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's very magical. <clears throat> yeah. Think of some cooler way to express its magic because even swords that that, that in in fiction that have uh, some kind of magic that helps them hit usually do so in a really cool and unique way mm-hmm. that like i'd be able to deal with like say a sword called night blade that gave you a plus three to hit and a plus three to your armor class because it would partially slow up or or, or speed up time mm-hmm. um to your advantage depending on what you were doing well now hold on a minute you're getting into other potential dragon sword items here oh, i'm sorry <laughs> oh no it's fine <laughs> Um, yeah. So w- with this item, I I really like the idea of being able to interact with things by just sort of throwing the sash. There is, uh, you know, in, in earlier editions, the Arcane Trickster. And now I think the Arcane Trickster is a, is a rogue archetype, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they have the um, iconic ability of being able to use Mage Hand to pick a lock or to pick a pocket or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with this. And I think that's really cool. Now, it's not exactly the same because this can be seen. Someone can see you throwing a sash, yeah. whereas the mage hand would be presumably invisible. But um, I just think that's such a cool idea to be able to, like, I can grab something out of that guy's pocket from across the room just yeah. by carefully, you know, whipping the sash over there. Hmm. Like I said, I, I, I've been revisiting a lot of old books and journey to the west is one of my favorite yeah um, it's a very very and... influential uh, uh piece of fiction <laughs> and i was it was during one of the sections where i was making a couple of magic items um because you know uh if you look carefully and look very very carefully for where the serial numbers have been filed off <laughs> um you'll see uh castle gray skull yeah. Uh, Captain America Shield. <laughs> I think everybody everybody has tried to make Captain America's Shield at some point or another in yeah. in D anD. Yeah. yeah, trying to get the stats for it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 see, I, I think I, I think most people's biggest problems with making magical items, honestly, when they try to emulate others from different genres, they try to emulate it power for power, which I think is wrong. You emulate the feel and the general theme of mm-hmm. it, but sure. recreate it for the world that you're you're, you're working with. Yeah, yeah. Like, you want it to be know. scaled for oh, yeah. you know, whatever setting you're yeah, in. Yeah, because I mean, some people just come out and like like I, I know you've seen them, the old katana debates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> about like how how powerful yeah, a katana would be and right. so on. Yeah. Have you seen them, Jeff? Yeah, I, yeah, I know of them, yeah. Oh, it's God. The, the they, katana they, debates they, of how a katana... I mean, clear, clearly a katana does 3d20 damage with yeah. a 15 to 20 times more critical, Of correct? course, right. Duh. Uh, <laughs> and it, yeah. it ignores hardness of below 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's it, not it, just a long sword, but curved. No, no, of course not. It's no, not. They folded the metal, Jeff. Gosh. 
They folded crappy metal. <laughs> yes, they folded the metal because they had to. Right, yeah. Because the iron was such poor quality. They had to, yeah, they had to fold it to make it worth turning into a sword. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could do that with, you know, actual real metal. Um, not to offend any, you know, uh, weebos out there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not really. But, yeah. Seriously, you could do a real metal and it actually have an effect to make the sword marginally stronger, mm -hmm. not sharper. Right, right. Marginally stronger, much harder to make. Right, right. <laughs> hmm. um, sorry, one, one more detail about Sun Wukong's staff. There, you had some flavor text here that I didn't get to at the end. Um, the sash is the property of the Monkey King and has a limited sentence leading it to wander when Sun Wukong is taking one of his famous naps. This usually lands it in the hands, well, waist of a hero, preferably a famous one. However, Sun Wukong is a very selfish creature and will seek out his errant sash when he awakens. Oh, well, that's just because, you know, I, I, I like to put a little bit of a uh, screw you in all of my magical items. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, not, not so much to actually screw the player, but because to lead to some possible storytelling that could arise something that could be cool something that could be fun even if even if the the player uh say the none of the players want that sash right mm -hmm. and they end up doing what players do they'd sell it sure well maybe the guy who they sold it to is like hey i keep getting attacked by this guy <laughs> <laughs> what the heck did y'all sell me? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so this could, monkey coming after me. Yeah. And, like, and, and that could lead to, you know, something. He has this staff. He grabbed me, the staff extended, and he put me on the moon so I could make marshmallow sandwiches. What the heck did you do? <laughs> exactly. And, and that. I write this letter from the moon. <laughs> With regards. With regards. <laughs> that was a, that was a Dragon Ball <laughs> reference, everybody. And that, that actually, you know, that can actually lead to something. I have no stats for um, Sun Wukong. I have no stats for the Monkey King. Sure. And I don't think anybody should until they need to use the Monkey King. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Legends, oh my God. That's in no game that I ever play. Mm -hmm. Do I ever, even if I create the world, do I ever stat up legends until it's time for me to use them? Because sure. legends should be whatever the hell I need. At that moment. At that moment. Yeah. Because they're legendary. They're going to have whatever doodly-doos they need to do whatever job they're about to do. I mean, that's like when you're writing Batman, mm -hmm. you don't you don't write out what gadgets he has exactly <laughs> he just has them even if it's shark repellent <laughs> yeah even well, if it's he, bat shark repellent he's, you know it's batman he's a detective <laughs> he knows like all the different contingencies you'll need and he knew those sharks could climb ladders <laughs> <laughs> Well, he is from in he, there's a little bit of world building there. Yeah. He is he lives in a world where sharks climb ladders. Yeah. One, one of the many masters he trained under told him a story. No wait, no Batman. the master was a uh, was a ladder climbing shark. Oh, there you go. I was going to say <laughs> he's, he's, he, he Batman knows shark style. Batman is clearly a a prequel to Sharknado. <laughs> Sharknado is an awesome <laughs> series. It's, it's just so bad, it's great. And they knew it was gonna be so bad, it was great. They they 
put the um, exact amount of oh god this is horrible to make it awesome all right well i think uh, i think that'll do it for the dragon's horde today thank you very much chris for that item that was yeah. i think that's a really cool one well, i would love to welcome. use that in thank my you. games um so jeff if anybody wanted to submit magic items to us or questions for us to discuss or stories for the funeral pyre how would they do so they can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. All right. And then before we get on to questions, I just want to direct everybody to the other podcasts in the Crit Nation Fellowship. Go and check out Crit Academy at CritAcademy.com. It's a great, uh, great podcast. They just celebrated one year at oh, the time yeah. of this episode going out. I guess that was about a week or two ago. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, they, they've been doing it for a year. I hope they get several awesome. more years out of it. Um, and then uh, the other podcast on there is the D&D Character Lab. It's a very fun podcast where they make characters and then uh, kind of pit them against each other in a battle of wits. Have you checked out that podcast, Chris? No, I have not. It's a lot of fun. It's you pretty should, good. You should yeah. check it out. They, they make turtle characters. They do have an episode where they made turtle characters. <laughs> I think that's episode eight, level eight. I Something think. like that, yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, you guys want to get into some questions? Yeah. Uh, sure. Cool. All right, our first question comes from Mostly Joe on email, and they ask, what is your take on narrative-focused games versus genre simulation games versus hybrid models? Yes, and uh, in, when he submitted this question, he actually gave some examples. Narrative-focused games, he gave the examples of Fate or Cortex. Genre simulation would be games like D&D, 5th Edition, uh, like RuneQuest, Eclipse Phase, were other games he mentioned. And the hybrid models, he said, like 13th Age and Dungeon World. Sure. We've we've had this, I've, I've mentioned this for a few of the questions we've gone over recently, but we've had this question for a long time. Jeff and I don't really have a good answer for this because neither of us have played most of these games. However, yeah. Chris has played some of them or has yeah. has played some, some games of these types. So. Yeah, I've. I've- I'm like the nerd king. I've played most <laughs> games. I am so dorky. It's sad. No, that's fine. But that's fine. I like hybrids best mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about desire because everybody is contributing 100%. And that just that adds to a larger uh, base of contribution mm-hmm. to the entire game and stuff happening, stuff that people are interested in happening. Sure. I guess let, let me just take a quick moment and kind of yeah. for anybody who yeah. doesn't know what a narrative focus game is, a narrative focus game would be a game where it is less about the mechanics or or rather it's it's more about the players narrating what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, before we start recording, uh, Chris gave an example of uh, if, if the players are going through a forest or something and then the DM saying to them, okay, you're going through the forest. What do you find in the forest? And then the players then are able to narrate mm-hmm. what happens. Or maybe the players are have maybe there's some sort of mechanic where the players can introduce a plot twist. So the players are in control of the narrative at to, to some degree at least in addition mm-hmm. to the DM or or game master. Um, mm-hmm. And then so the genre simulation again like I said is something like Dungeons and Dragons where it is more about creating a genre, you know, the dungeon master creates a story and so on. Mm-hmm. And then a hybrid would be some sort of a game that combines the two. Mhm. And uh, with uh, with genre games, they're great. They're great for keeping you very, very focused. But the problem is, is that focus can become your albatross. You yeah. can become way too narrowly focused yep. to the point that nothing can really be accomplished because you can only do it one or two ways and generally sadly because of how the mechanics of D and how the mechanics of most games work it becomes a very um pass fail 
um, experience. Yeah. So it's like um, we can do it this one way or we can fail, guys. It's, it's, that's how it works. Yeah. And that kind of sucks. It's just no matter how creative I get with how I want to deal with this problem, if I roll poorly, it's no good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I actually hate that. So in because um, me and Gabe were actually talking about this earlier mm. um, in, in most of my games that I run, even in D&D, you can roll badly. You can fail and you probably won't notice because you'll probably succeed if if you're fairly good. If, if you're the, the thief character mm. and you roll like a one. Yeah, you pick the locks, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. Like it. If like if their if their skill is at least high enough, like maybe like a fail yeah. state isn't them. They don't pick the lock, so you don't do the cool thing that your character trained years and years to do. Yeah. You still do it, but like you broke your lucky pick or something, or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, or you 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 were really goddamn loud this yeah. time, and you alerted the guards mm-hmm. uh, down the hall, or even worse than breaking the lock pick. The lockpick is stuck there, yeah. and you can't retrieve it. And it's in a door, but that's your favorite lockpick. Yeah. <laughs> so I know eventually I get to bring you right back here, sure, for yeah, something else nasty that I want to do to. So you come back that, and the pick is gone, and now you got to go on an oh, adventure to get snap. the pick back. Exactly, and and that is, and I think that that is one of the best things you can do as a dm i know i'm i'm, I'm off topic right no, now go for it but to say yeah and to allow players to fail forward mm-hmm. is the best thing in the world yeah oh yeah you're sneak yeah oh, oh you're you're the party ninja but you rolled a two hmm Okay, it's an entire war party of orcs. I can either wake them all up and kill this character, or, or, I can make him make a noise that sounded a lot like a female orc in the mood. (laughs) And see how this plays out. Yeah. yeah. With one extremely drunken orc. You know, and... and I mean, it, it's it's weird the things that are just you know come to you like oh this was a bad roll, and it it takes a lot of pressure off of you because bad rolls don't scare you anymore. Right. That was my actually, it was never about failing forward. It was never about my players when I first implemented doing that. It was all about me being terrified yeah. that they're gonna fail. And it's going to be all my fault because either I made the adventure too hard mm-hmm. or I asked for a roll at the wrong point in time. I know I did something wrong. And that was just to alleviate my fear. Like, because I never wanted to tell somebody, you failed. If it's something they're good at. Now, if it's the wizard picking a lock, no, you just failed, dude. Yeah, yeah. You're bad at it. Stop it. <laughs> Cast a spell, guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the knock spell. if it's if it's if it's the um like in like in stories, when the master trapsmith fails to you know spring a trap, it, it's plot based. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it, and and it's a lot it's a lot more fun that way. You're like, oh, he failed that. Oh my god, it's about to get thick. 
<laughs> and you get really into it because you're like, oh, this is going to be good. I just had a thought. Could you guys imagine reading a book where the players just or that where the, the characters just failed at things sometimes and then they just did it again and succeeded and <laughs> The book was just like 20% longer because every time one of the characters wanted to do something, they had to try it a few times. Right, yeah. And And nothing interesting happened as a result of their failure. (laughs) Yeah, I could could imagine uh, reading that book for maybe 20 minutes. (laughs) And that's another reason I do that because it's like nobody wants to look at the misadventures of the Keystone Adventurers. Right. You know, um, the guys who can't get it right. Hero swings his sword and misses. And then he swings his sword and misses. And he swings his sword again and misses. He hits, but But doesn't do enough damage to kill the thing. So he has to hit again. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I really think that D&D could uh, could use... It could it could gain a lot from having a mixed success, which is something that a lot of yeah. other games uh, a lot of other games have. Um, so so yeah, like in regards to having like more narrative focused games in narrative focused games, there tend to be less of a fail state yeah. in things. It is it is much more about you make a role, whatever happens, the story is going to keep moving forward. Yes. It's just a matter of whether it happens favorably or unfavorably. Yes, I don't like the part in genre games that it it. it it's basically like, okay, it, it tells you you're the central person of the story. Mm-hmm. And then in the next action says, we'll get along with it without you. <laughs> yeah. Die. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Watch. Watch. We don't care. Yeah. The, the campaign's just going to keep on moving without you. Like, yeah, you don't need it, to be here. Yeah. Really. It, and it, it kind of takes you out of immersion sometimes. Like, simple things. Like, the big burly fighter, not you know, cranking open, you know, a simple door. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, no, that, that really shouldn't. That dude has a 20 strength. Yeah, he rolled a one, but come come on. Really? <laughs> Seriously. Character description. He's six foot nine, 335 pounds. He has a strength of 20. That supply wood door. <laughs> <laughs> like that door is, yeah, that door should be, it's, it's not there anymore. Yeah. But. You know, Maybe something else happens. Yeah, because I mean, it, for me, if he rolled a one, oh, you jogged it too good. Sorry, <laughs> Princess Brat. <laughs> and he's gonna tumble through the door. Yeah, and probably land ten feet into the room. <laughs> he busts the 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 door on the on the other side of the room down too. <laughs> you know, and it'll be kobolds looking like what? Oh, we gotta kill this or run. Or if this was a Sonic game, he would break through the door, hit the giant spring that's on the other, the far end of the next room, and then go back through the door and the door would close and lock again. That's how <laughs> it would close and lock. That's how it would work. Hey, at least we know there's a spring in there. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. So I, the only, the only uh, narrative focus game that I personally have played was actually the game that my brother made the mountain witch. Mm-hmm. And in, in that it is very, narrative focus the players are in charge of of narrating you know a lot of what happens if they attack something whether they succeed or fail the players are narrating how they succeeded or how they failed and then they it's up to the players to create a lot of the drama in the story the players are supposed to have like a lot of uh interpersonal issues that they have to work through as the game goes on um you know it's meant to stir up lots of inter-party conflict 
so uh so that that type of game um you know it's it's got its strengths and weaknesses and personally that type of game is kind of hard for me to run and to play in because i started off playing games like dungeons and dragons yeah and so the it's hard for me to get into the mindset of narrating everything of of being in control of the narration it's also hard for me as the the dungeon master or the game master to put that much control into the player's hands so um it is hard for me to play those types of games not because anything's wrong with the game but just kind of because of the the rut that my mind tends to get into when i'm playing or running a game yeah like i, I usually need mechanics to fall back on yeah for the most part but but then, like, but I do hate the pass or fail of right of D anD D sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, I, I've never played any games that were a a hybrid of the two. But the idea of it sounds really cool. I would love to play a game that was like Dungeons and Dragons, but the players did have some kind of control over the the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you can run it close to that. Like, it won't be a true hybrid, but you can definitely give the the character a little bit more. Yeah, control yeah. on the narration and everything, but you you'll have to be pretty vigilant on like when to ha- like have them scale scale it back so that you can re- you know regain control of the story and everything. Sure, sure. Hey, yeah, I, I've done that, and I, I feel the best way to do it is to uh, give them uh, narrative control with inherent breaks and limits, like. Um, they're walking up to a city. What do the city gates look like? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, just smaller, just small details. Small things. And sometimes you give them larger things, just depending on what you need as a DM. It's a very lazy way of DMing, but it's very effective. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Like, even if it is just small details, that's a detail that they put there. And then the next time they go through that doorway, that hey, like, hey, that's that doorway I described. You exactly. Know? So yep. they, they're more invested in the, in mm-hmm. the world, even though you have overall control of everything. If they can put in their if they can put their mark on it even if it's not a mark their character makes but it's a mm-hmm. mark that they make it will yep. be more invested and then um, a good dm could probably take some of these details the players are using are, are using in their descriptions and then try and find a way to tie them together maybe one of the players describes the city gates as having like you know a serpent motif over it mm-hmm. and then maybe another player describes uh i don't know some sort of like a temple they go to to being like a lizard themed temple and then the dm could maybe take that and then have have it be that there's like a secret cult of serpents or reptiles or something that is in charge of the town or, or something mm-hmm. like that so if you yeah if you wanted to try and make D or something like that into a hybrid type game it really is kind of as simple as just asking your players more questions yep. instead of narrating them yourself mm-hmm in my opinion, that's why uh, a lot of people who've played my games are like, it feels so organic. It's because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing before you guys sit down. <laughs> it has to be organic. Yeah. I'm just as confused as you at the beginning of the game. <laughs> you know, but you can't tell players that. I mean, I, I've, I've told you guys that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'll more than likely run we, for you guys. We won't that. tell anybody. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> but, but... I find my best games come from the fact that I am seat of my pants the entire time. I don't let my players know it at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if a person's been gaming with me for long enough, like for a couple of years, they kind of catch on because they're like, "Okay, nobody's this swift." <laughs> I've I've had I've had suspicions at times, but it's, <laughs> it's never been uh, been a definite 
a definite thing for me. Yeah, it's 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 like I I make notes and my notes make no dang on sense whatsoever. Like at the beginning of the game, say I have five players, I have mm-hmm. something like Jeff sees a dragon. Okay, I'm done with his character. Let's see. Gabe finds a friend. Okay. <laughs> and I'll just have like one note blurbs over a paragraph written. And the paragraph is the entire like core of the adventure. Mm-hmm. It'll be everything that's like necessary besides like, you know, but I but I already told you about earlier about city building Mm -hmm. about how you know i always have the core people of any town city uh village that i've created because those people are necessary yeah and they are the lifeblood of your city the npcs all the all all, all the the minor npcs they're nothings Mm -hmm. but the major people you have to have them pretty concrete Mm -hmm. and do we want to get into that question uh yeah I mean, if, if that's okay with you, oh, we'll segue into... That's great for okay. me. This is a good a good lead-in to our next question. Yeah. The the next question was from Big Hairy Belly on Reddit. And the question was, what sort of exercises or methods do you use for city building? Yes. So, yeah, you were, you were just uh, talking about yeah, building um, a city. Yeah. Uh, cities, one of the most important things you can do. Well, two the two most important things you can do. Your major NPCs. Always have them fully fleshed out. Yes. Their motivations, even down to some things like some of their um, daily habits and haunts. Uh, Because if, say, you give the constable three places in the day that he's likely to be, you have to flesh out those three places. It Mm -hmm. makes you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like give them Um, a schedule, like a daily schedule, a weekly schedule that they go through. Yeah. And and, and it makes you do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't because I mean, I've been building, I've, 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 I've been, I have been building, thank you, towns and villages and such. And then when you, you give people a daily schedule, you'll think of things like, how the heck does she use the bathroom? There are no <laughs> bathrooms between here and here. I mean, weird things, but things that are really important in the minutia. Right. Yeah. And that, that adds the detail of there's an alleyway in that road where there's just a, a pile of... Uh... Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, there's there's um a bathhouse that, you know, specializes in people doing their business. Sure, sure. Secret but, you bathhouse. know, something... No, secret bathhouses are very, very naughty places. <laughs> do listeners do not go to a secret <laughs> bathhouse unless you're in my campaign. Because that's where the be adventure fun. begins, Gabe. <laughs> all right, you all meet up in a secret bathhouse. Go. Oh. <laughs> so you're saying uh, important NPCs? Important NPCs are are the most important thing you can go with, mm-hmm. and then. Detail exactly what you want your city to be. Detail one thing what you want it to be. So if like you wanted, one one theme. Yep, one theme. Like, all right, like, if you want it to be, this is the Thieves Guild city. And everybody knows, every everybody in, who's read any type of fantasy in the last oh, 7,000 years mm-hmm. knows that it's always that one city that's just based. It's known for nothing else, but it's Thieves Guild. And you're wondering, why do people come here? Like, I bake bread. 
Why not big bread there? Why big bread, big, big bread here? It's mm. just going to get stolen. Yeah. Yes, but my family. Yes, your family's been getting robbed blind for years. Congratulations. Yeah, but like the the if 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 you want that to be your thief city, build everything around the thieves guild because the city isn't important. Mm-hmm. The theme of the city is important. Yeah. That major theme. If this is your temple city, build everything around the temple. It, it, it that doesn't mean physical buildings, but build everything that the city is going to be doing mm-hmm. around that. Like um most most times I make a thief city. I'm gonna go with that as an example. They're usually really famous for something else mm-hmm. that people can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And that's the only reason people deal with the fact that that's such huge thieves presence. Also, that's number three. <laughs> um, make sure there is a reason people deal with whatever oddity you put in. If every other house in your city is haunted, give a reason. Yeah, give a reason why people still put up with this haunted city. I- exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, this is... This is where the Tao monks train and they they uh, learn their uh, exorcism techniques here. Good, because people know that, hey, all they got to do is, you know, walk around the corner and be like, hey, y'all got another one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it can be dealt with. It becomes more of a nuisance. And that becomes a cool thing to hang on your city because these are people, your your characters are freaking out. Oh, my God, the, the, the end you gave me is haunted. And the, the people are like, yes, yeah, so. So we got <laughs> go back what's, to drinking what's, their what's, drink. What's, what's wrong with this guy? Don't worry, yeah. I got I got a guy. We, we we'll, we'll just we'll just call him up on our phone, Fan, fantasy fantasy cell phones, phone, our mess, our, our stones our of our speech. Stone. Yeah, our, yeah, our calling stone. <laughs> yeah, going with your both the last two points, um, the giving your your city a theme and then making a reason why people put up with it. Um, when I in in the fifth edition campaign that I ran, which was also the setting for the book I was writing at the time. Uh, I, I knew that the town that I wanted to start in, I, the theme that I started with was I wanted it to be a town that was split in half by like an earthquake because, which was kind mm-hmm. of, I was kind of going off of in fourth edition, there was a city in the dungeon master's guide called Fallcrest, yes. which did have a big like fault line in the middle. But I thought, well, what if that happened and people were forced to like still find a way to, 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 to deal with it. And so first I thought to myself, okay, well, there could be some sort of like relatively high tech uh, lock system, like basically like a water elevator that lets things go up and down the waterfall. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, well, why why would people do that? Why wouldn't they just why wouldn't they just just abandon this town because that's that makes it useless as like a place of trade? Then I thought, well, what if it was like the biggest trade city in the country? Then they would kind of have to find a way to make it work. So then that got me thinking about, okay, so it's a big city. I think that Fallcrest, which I had sort of loosely based it on, was a... a it was like a, a some Yeah, it was relatively small. And so, like, okay, well, it's a really big city. So they go and they do this. What are the repercussions of having to create this, like, big kind of high-tech machine, basically, to raise and lower the water level? And then I thought, okay, well, they would... That would probably cost a lot of money to make. Where's that money going to come from? How is that money going to get paid back? And then I came up with the idea of Quest Day, which is, like the holiday where everybody comes and mm-hmm. the city taxes all the adventurers so that they can repay everything. And then that led to a plot line involving the people that built that, that never got paid back 
by the government, um, all the money they used to, to develop it. And then before I knew it, I had like this big city that has all of these, all of these things going on. And then I was like, well, what are the socioeconomic consequences of having one side of the city that is literally up above the other? It's like, well, that's where the rich people live. And then all the poor people live down at the bottom. And so that, you know, the ideas just kept coming. And so it was all just, I started with an idea, a city that was kind of bisected by this big cliff face. And then it evolved into more and more. Right. Yeah. You like you, you make this, you get this idea and it could be something really ridiculous, but then it it asks questions and then you answer those questions and then those make more questions and you just keep answering. So if you can just keep answering enough questions to then have a city. Right. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, uh, to input some ridiculous um, ideas are usually the best. Yeah. The yeah. idea that the idea that you look at at first and like this isn't gonna work is usually the one at the end of a project. You're like, this was the best idea I had. <laughs> yeah. And the idea you're like, this is the greatest idea ever. Fifteen minutes later, you're like, oh, but it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what yeah, was yeah. I thinking? Yeah. yeah. There's plenty of ideas where I'm like, oh, that's really cool, and then I'll say it out loud, and I'm like. Hmm. There isn't there some programming thing where like if you can explain if you're programming something if you can explain it to a rubber duck yeah 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 then you've done a good job if you can't you need to go back to the drawing board and make it simpler right yeah it's just there's I, I there's it's like the rubber duck term I don't know something but yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah you're right it's like yeah encoding or something like that yeah um and so Chris you were also talking about uh like NPCs and everything I think that yeah it's it's very important to have the important NPCs and like, the, you know, the important details, you want to have those locked down, mm-hmm. but I want to try to discourage people from getting too granular about everything. Oh yeah. The more small details you come up with, the more you're going to get bogged down in the small details. Yeah. And then when they never come up, you're going to have, you will have just wasted time. Yeah, so uh, honestly, um, that's an, that was another point for my narrative approach mm-hmm. to GMing. I'm not going to do the small details. That's, that, that's, 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 that's up PC. to the players, yeah. Yeah, that's the player's <laughs> job. What, what do you see, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, you might want to have an idea of, you know, roughly how big the city is, roughly what, like, what the, the power center is, like, whether it's, you know, what yeah. type of government and so on. But you don't need to know what every, you don't need to know how many taverns there are in town. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know the names of every single tavern. Mm-mm. Just whichever one the players are going to, come up with a name for that one. There are ahead enough of random name generators in this universe that you <laughs> never have to think of the minor details. Right. And only thing you, it, it, listen, everything is just a sticky note away from permanence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, seriously, there have been so, so many times my PCs have like, I want to go to such and such a place. What's the name of it? <laughs> the Sticky Wicket. Like, what? Yeah. Listen, it's the Sticky Wicket. It's the one you're closest to. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also think a- another reason why you shouldn't go too granular with too mu- with all the-, the details is that as a player, that's intimidating. If, if mm. you're going to a town and the DM hands you a sheet of paper with like five points on it and it's just like, here's it's got this type of government here's the name of the biggest tavern here's how big the city is that's fine that's that's easy enough for a player yeah, to to digest book. exactly when they hand you like six pages both sides yeah. uh you know four point font and you gotta like read all no that's your players are not going to be interested enough 
Maybe yeah. maybe eventually. But yeah. right off the bat, they are not going to be interested enough to care about all those and details. Honestly, the people who will be interested enough to reading that, mm-hmm. they've probably been playing a ga- playing the game in that game world long enough. They could have written a goddamn thing themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So, who cares? Stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> don't so, d- don't shoot yourself in the foot by giving too much detail. Give the important stuff details, and kind of um, dance around the rest. Yeah. And trust me, PCs, players, players are the best at filling in the blanks. They will say some stuff before you can say, uh, you're like, uh, and it, and, and the sound hasn't come out yet. That, that, that sound is forming in the bottom of your mind and the player's like, I know what happened. And you stop, uh, stop, uh, right there. <laughs> be quiet and be like, oh, this can be interesting because trust me, that's going to lead to a 15 minute argument. Between disagreeing PCs. Yep. <laughs> Which means it's time for you to take out notes and be like, I'm still. <laughs> That's 15 minutes of ideas the players are about exactly. to give you. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still in this. I'm still in that. Oh, I didn't even know I was going to do that. Y'all are good. <laughs> now, how am I going to screw y'all over again? Oh, I didn't even know a monster was there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The and players are helping you discover your own world. Man, and, and it's the be- it's the best way because that means that I could take the same adventure that I've written in the same town if I decide, all right, I'm not going to put any of this into the quote-unquote official setting. Mm-hmm. I can get a brand new take, a new test group, basically. Yeah. Completely different results. Completely different end of the adventure, probably. Yeah. And that's 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 another thing I, I do have to work on. I know there's a segue. I have to work on, like, actually writing ends to my adventures. Yeah. Mm. I'm really good at writing the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know the beginning, mean. the beginning, I make the PCs right. And the end, I make the PCs right. The middle, I'm really good at. The beginning and the end, I'm like, that's never been my job. What do you mean people expect beginnings and endings to adventures? Because you would not believe how many how many times I, I had taken like pre-written modules mm-hmm. and just cut the beginnings and endings off and let you guys work work that part. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, y- you've said it before, so I'm safe to say it. Most adventures suck. Yes. Most adventures suck really, really bad. And the more you read them, the more suck you find. It's like, it's it's really weird. It's this sweet spot, like, right in the middle, a little bit off center in most adventures. That's really good. And the rest is pretty much, oh, this is Drac. Yeah. Oh, this needs to graduate to become Drac. And it, it, it's just... It's just horrible, and usually those parts are at the beginning and the end because the beginning usually is so it's either cumbersome mm-hmm. or it's too farcical to really to really give credence to if you're really giving it any thought. I guess it's like somebody gets that one really good idea and then trying to like build stuff around it, but they don't you know they don't answer enough questions. They don't you know they don't figure yeah. it out as much because like you have this really this really good idea and like the middle of that adventure is great but how you get there and how you get from there yeah. 
isn't and, something people ask themselves properly. My, yeah. my, I think I think the biggest problem is that when working for a big company, because a lot of the adventures I'm talking about are some of the the larger printed ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that they tried to make the beginning and the end so generic. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because like a generic beginning is gonna, it, it's gonna open it to a wider audience because then like you know, yeah, you it, could you could insert that module into anybody's campaign because it's, mm-hmm. the beginning's just so bland that yeah. it'll fit with anybody. Yeah, but that's that's also the problem. It becomes so bland it doesn't fit into yeah. any because it, it it there's bland to a point where it can blend into anything and it's bland to the point that it just makes everything else watered down. Kind of like the difference between good mayo and bad mayo. Okay. Um, <laughs> we know a lot of, a lot about mayonnaise. Yes, on this yes, show. we do. Would you say the mayonnaise <laughs> that comes out of the alchemy jug is good mayo, bad mayo, or somewhere in the middle? It had to be good mayo. It convinced people to actually <laughs> serve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> had to be the best mayo. Yeah. Mayo of some the good mayo. quality. Yeah. <laughs> And there's no such thing as bad mayo. It just becomes Miracle Whip. Oh, God. That stuff is horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I think some people would argue that Miracle Whip is bad mayo. Yeah, that's that's what happens to mayo when it goes bad. They just put it into Miracle Whip jars. Oh, yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Miracle Whip. (laughs) Taste the miracle. Taste the miracle? I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's a miracle if you can choke that crap down. It's a miracle in your mouth? I don't know. Oh, you'll need a miracle to (laughs) To come back in this. All right. Our next question comes from Kryptonic. uh, Kryptonic 901, to be specific. Uh, This was on Reddit. How long should you stick with a group before accepting that your play styles don't mesh? Personally, I tend to stick with a group longer than I should. To be perfectly honest, I usually stick with a group that I don't like until uh, until I have something else going on that day. And then, <laughs> and then so that's a good excuse. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed with this, but I usually am like, oh, hey, I can't make it this week. And then... I, I, I never, oh, I, I rarely outright say, hey, I'm not going to play anymore. It's usually just kind of like, oh, I can't play this week. Next week's not looking good either. Yeah. Or the week after that, yeah, as I look at my watch. Just that, make it a scheduling problem at that point. It's I like, guess. Well, I, yeah. I, I just, well, something's coming up and I can't, uh, can't play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually awesome. I mean, I wish I wish I could be that nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm usually the guy who's like, all right. Yeah, I, yeah. Let me let me take you to the side, Mister Jim. Let me talk to you. Your game sucks, <laughs> and here's why. Okay, okay. This is how we we need to change it up, and you know, I, I I can stay and help you with that, or I can walk. I I really don't care at this point because this has been two weeks of suck for me. I can take two weeks. Yeah, two weeks of just it. Because number one. I'm grown and I don't get to play much. Mm-hmm. You ain't about to be wasting my game in time. Sure, yeah. That's, that's just that that that's just gonna make me feel worse about playing than not playing. Like, yeah. Well, that could be I'm, tricky because if yeah. if you don't play a lot, then you're like, well, I'm not gonna get to play often, so I might as well put up with these guys and keep playing. Yeah. But at the same time, you're right. It's like I don't if I'm only gonna be playing, you know, once a month, it's yeah. not gonna be with these guys. Yeah. Right? I I can't I I can't do it. I'd rather. Uh, uh, but I've always been like that. I've been like that with everything. I'd rather not eat than eat bad food. 
Sure. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'll take some hunger for dinner. <laughs> and and that's probably what what uh, it, this answer is going to depend on is is the person. Are yeah. how desperate are you for a game? Sure. Yeah. It, the more desperate you are, the longer you're probably gonna stick with a group and that doesn't how, match. How, how, how agreeable a person you are. Yeah. Because agreeable people will put up with stuff and be like, okay, eventually they'll come to their senses or or I'll eventually be able to talk to them. No, I I I I'm not agreeable. I don't have that 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 beautiful part in in, in most people's brain where it's just, hey, we shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, mine is like, we're gonna say it. And here's how to make it funnier. <laughs> so, um, I'm gonna say this. Here's how to make people accept it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like this is how we don't get shot a lot. Um, I, I'm the kind of person that if if I can tell someone is at least trying to make an effort to involve me in something, mm-hmm. I'll make at least the same effort. So, like, oh, if yeah. if and I mean that that also applies to like playing a game like D and D. If I can tell that the 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 DM is trying. I'll stick around because he's trying. You know, he, mm-hmm. he he's not he's he's not just doing whatever he wants. And if you don't like it, screw you. If if someone is oh, trying, yeah. I will I will stick it out as long as I can. Mm. And you know, because because I don't I don't want them to get discouraged and not play the game. But if their attitude is like, well, you know, I'm doing what I want, and if you don't like it, screw you. Similar to when I talked about my worst DM, his mm-hmm. attitude was, I'm doing this right. If you don't like it, you clearly are doing it wrong because I've been playing the game longer than you. And so that attitude, <laughs> yeah. I did. To, in, to be fair, I did stick with him for a while, but that was because I had nothing else going on. The moment I wanted to start my own game, I left. Okay. Yeah, but uh, me, I was coming more from the perspective of the people who uh, they, quote unquote, know they're doing it yeah. right. I hate those people. Well, hate's a strong word. But appropriate, so we're gonna go with that. <laughs> um, they drag all the fun out of everything by having to be empirically right, mm-hmm. and especially when, honestly, when it comes down to it, it's a communal storytelling game. Right? Like, nobody's a hundred percent right. We're all equally wrong. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, the DM puts is going to be putting most of the work into it and is needs to have some control to it. Yeah. <laughs> I've DM'd a lot, and there's a lot of times I'm like, you guys have worked hard on my campaign. <laughs> oh, I could not have done it without y'all because yeah. I slept most of this. See, whenever someone brings up the idea of, like, oh, DMs should get paid, I, I think to myself, like, I've been in groups where uh, the DM was able to get by with doing very little work. Not, not, I don't mean that in a bad oh, way. No, no, trust me. It's, it's, like mm-hmm. a good DM doesn't have to do as much work and good players will do a oh, lot of the work. Oh my God, yes. Because like, Melissa? Mm-hmm. Melissa we, we've mentioned her on the podcast. Before. Was great for filling out odds and ends of my various little worlds. Because she'd make a character and she'd hand you like... A small novella mm-hmm. <laughs> for like her character, and I'm like, "You want me to read all of this?" <laughs> okay, and it, it it'd be gold in there. Like, oh really? Oh really? And and the funny thing is 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 the way she works as an artist mm-hmm. is that 
I'd read it and I, I, I'd retain it. And a couple of months later, she would not know what the hell she wrote except like the broad strokes, which, <laughs> which is even better for me because I'm like, right. oh, I get to pervert it, you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you are completely right. Good players, good players are worth their weight in any of the rare earths you want to name. <laughs> They're worth their weight in astral diamonds. <laughs> yes. Worth their weight in palladium. <laughs> sure, I... they're worth their weight in palladium games. <laughs> Ooh, which is a lot of palladium games. Yeah. <laughs> well, the way the way I deal with it is, I only play games with like three people. <laughs> yeah, so, like I like I know I like everybody I play with. I know them well enough to know their play style and know that it's not going to be bad yeah uh, well you're 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 one of the lucky ones uh no seriously you are severely lucky in that aspect well i mean like cause... i always want to play more games but like then i would have to invent you know venture outside of my group yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's scary out there it's horrible out there as a person who's who, who's been out there a lot and honestly the worst thing never run a con game we actually did kind of just talk about con games with uh, the Hardy Dice friends. <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I've run a couple of con games, <laughs> and by sorry, convention games, yeah, yeah, not uh, yeah. not confidence games. Yeah, I had, I had I had to think for a second. Like, oh, con, right. and it's yeah. like the sad thing is, is thankfully, thankfully, are an adult by the time you can run a con game, so you can legally get drunk. Okay. Um, I thought maybe you were implying that you would be some sort of mature, but uh, but I was gonna say I was gonna say hold on, hold on a no, second. No, no. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Gamers and maturity. <laughs> Those two things don't really go together very well. Uh, we try at it, we act at it, we we role play it very well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're I'm old and I still find fart jokes funny. So yeah, I mean. Um, yeah maturity is not really there i'm like i I can pay bills and do shit like that but when it comes to composing myself like an adult are you crazy (laughs) um all right so so in in conclusion you know it's how long you should wait it really is going to depend on on how tolerant you are how how well you are able to be polite to people i suppose and also how desperate you are for a game right but uh a couple weeks I think it's kind sure. of the average. Yeah. Among At us. least give it an adventure or two. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. like, sometimes DMs can be going through something. Yeah. And, with, yeah. With Gabe's experiences, like, like you didn't really have too many options. No, no, I really didn't. And so, like, if you were going to be playing at all, it was either play by post online or, you know, just put up with what you had. Yeah. Play by post DMs are just as bad. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Me and Gabe were in a play by post mm. uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think both of us decided to leave at the same time because it was just—it was so slow. It was so boring. Yeah, it just—it didn't go anywhere. Like, and he was really specific about how much, uh, about making sure we spent all of our gold on all of our items that we were gonna have, and before first session, they were all taken away. Yeah, and I was like. You know, uh, while I was, you know, developing my character and you insisted that I spent this amount of money on my crap, mm-hmm. 
I thought of tactics and everything else that went went along with the items that you had. Yeah, and then you take them all away, and I'm like, well, that was underwhelming. And it got worse from there. It didn't get any better. <laughs> yeah. We were trapped in these mines. And then we had to fight Drow without equipment. That was not easy. Yeah. And it was just, it, it just got worse and worse and devolved into, what the hell am I doing? And that is, I mean, I like being confused when the adventure is supposed to confuse me. But I don't like being confused as a player, not knowing exactly what in the hell is really going on. Like, all right, what are we? I didn't even really know what uh, subgenre we were in at that point. Like, okay, is this an escape from prison? Is this survival? What the hell is he trying to have us do? I don't know because it's changing every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that... that, uh... There were a bunch of things wrong with that game, and it it just was not a was not a great experience. And that's that's pretty much my only play by post experience. So for all Ooh, I know, that's what they so... all are like. <laughs> oh no, all of them aren't like that. But that was a bad one. That was yeah. a bad one. All right. Well, I think I think that'll do it for questions. Um, so now I would like us to take a moment. Let's clear our thoughts. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> <sighs> And let us remember those who have come before us, who have given their lives so that we may have uh, a better world to live in or just a more because, in, because it just happens. Yeah, they more just, entertaining world, at least. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we will uh, toss another log onto the funeral pyre. All right. So for today's episode, Chris, you brought in a story of one of yes. your own character deaths for the funeral uh, pyre. This character is Argent Silver. He was a human male rogue, uh, a rogue fighter. He was. I designed him to be like this secret agent, uh, black ops BA that was just awesome yeah um at getting into places um and either performing assassinations or high level infiltrations and he only made it in three adventures Ah. and this was Uh, third edition correct yes this was yeah this was 3.5 he only lived three adventures long the end of the second adventure seeing him killing a cook at an inn Mm-hmm. That he had mistakenly thought it poisoned him. Okay. Uh, he eventually found the real killer, and you know he, you know he offered a hundred gold pieces to you know the uh, innkeeper's family, not the, not the innkeeper's family, the cook's family, and they didn't want to take it. They were all upset. Like it's not going to bring <laughs> them back. I was like, That's no. That's a hundred gold. I was like, no, it's not going to bring them back. It's like five years wages for these people. Yeah, I'm like, no, it's not going to bring them back. You you need like, you know, 2,400 more gold for that. And and if you save now, maybe you can do that. I don't know. Um, But take your your filthy 100 gold. You'll never see this kind of money again. (laughs) But, you know, and that was the type of person he was. Yeah. You know, he wasn't all bad, just mostly. So in this next um, adventure arc, there was some kind of catastrophe happening in one of the uh, local temples. And they were being attacked by 
hordes of these minor demons. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were asked to help them. I don't know why Argent wanted to help, honestly. I've forgotten. It's been years. Um, But there's a good chance there was either treasure or um, the name of the... uh, the person who was ultimately responsible for getting him drummed out of the military. Okay. That was probably because that's what he was searching for. Sure. So during this whole whole fiasco, we're fighting demons and running from demons and fighting. And there are paladins of the order mm-hmm. of another player that are falling in combat. So what does this fine upstanding stalwart doer of good deeds do? He loots the bodies of his fallen companions. Your, your paladin party member starts yeah. looting these bodies. Yeah, he, he he's looting other paladins like, oh, this is good. This is good, too. <laughs> and my character, black-hearted rogue that he is, actually was like, hey, this is wrong. We can't be doing this. At least, you know, at least let the bodies cool off, man. Yeah. I mean, seriously, they're... they're Dude, th- this guy just a second ago was saying, help me. And you're like, mm, not enough for you. And just taking, <laughs> no, 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 no. He, listen, listen, listen. They need their gear until you hold them underwater for a couple of seconds. Don't worry about it. I'm a pilot and I do this professionally. <laughs> so it's like, like, dude, seriously, you're you're just going to, to... I mean, and he's letting people expire because I'm like, Okay, uh yeah, I understand that, that that they're in a negative hit points and everything, but you had this thing called lay on hands, right, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh huh. But I need hands for that. <laughs> also as, as he's shoving things into his bag. <laughs> exactly. Hole. Like I also need hands to, to shove my pack full. So, you know, um the the com- the confrontation gets kinda heated and instead of answering me he just shoves a whole paladin body into his sack unfortunately that paladin had a bag of holding that he just put into into a bag of holding holding while we're basically nose to nose arguing so it did not it did not work out so well for argent and he was swept into uh the astral plane Mm -hmm. and the group pulled money and resources to resurrect the paladin. Oh. Mm. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Dang. Wow. Well, well, uh, that's, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it it does. It does. But I like, I I like that death actually, because, Even though the character died, it showed something about him that I didn't know previously. That he wasn't a complete bastard. Yeah. And he was like, okay. He had limits. Yeah, they were like, okay, there's some things I'm just not willing to do. And these people died for their beliefs. I don't believe in their beliefs. But let's not, like, desecrate the bodies. Mm. Leave that for our enemies. Okay, so let us uh, raise a glass in memory of Argent. The rogue who uh, stood up for what he thought was right and got sucked away into the astral plane only to be forgotten by his party members. Yeah. Clink. Clink. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories 
For the funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, running list of questions asked, and important links, go to interpartyconflict.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, or our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, where I post weekly discussion questions for you. We're also on Twitter at inpartyconflict. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and YouTube. Anywhere you download podcasts, please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you feel like donating, we have a PayPal donate button on our website. Anything you can give us would go towards making the show better. Jeff, do you want to tell us about FriendQuest? FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play games like uh, Tower of Doom and uh, what was the other one? Shadow, Shadow over Mistara. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, also, head over to audibletrial.com slash conflict and get yourself a free audiobook. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. I guarantee you'll find something you like. And if you do, it gets us free money, basically. Yeah. So so go ahead and do it. Also, everybody go to bit.ly slash conflict. Take our short survey. If you do, it just takes a couple minutes. Questions about, you know, what you like about the podcast, what you don't like, and so on. Uh, if you do, you get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Chris, till next time. Don't whiz on the electric fence. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>